All right. Well, welcome to another DevCast. My name is Adam D'Angelo. I'm the Senior Director of Technology and Learning here at Dev Technology Group. And today I'm joined with Narup Ganjikar, uh, who is our Director of Biometrics. Narup, what, what is biometrics? I, I remember uh, being in elementary school and having the local police come in to fingerprint us. And that's probably the last time I really thought about biometrics. Can you tell me a little bit more of where it's come in the last uh, 35 years? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, certainly with the uh, with the advent of uh, the computer age and the ability to kind of capture um, biometrics digitally and uh, computer uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, it's moved in leaps and bounds probably since uh, since you last kind of thought about it, which I'm sure is not the last time you thought about it. But uh, I appreciate the intro. Um, so we. Definitely, like when I first got into the field, probably like 15, 20 years ago, it was something that you know governments used and uh, and large companies. And now um, everybody and their brother, oh, you know, my my phone can be unlocked with my face, and uh, I can unlock my phone with my fingerprint. So it's becoming a pretty ubiquitous technology. Um, that said, I a statement that I hear all the time is, like, well, my phone can do it. Why can't we do X, Y, Z? And um, there's a, a certain kind of differentiation that happens between being able to, to use biometrics for convenience versus for something like law enforcement or, um, or to make uh, sort of business decisions on. And, um, and that's something that, that, uh, that is definitely going to be aided by all of the, the consumer growth in that industry as well. So, so what are some of the differences then between biometric systems on your smartphone um, versus a large-scale automated biometric identification system? So when you're using biometrics on your phone, it's, it's usually uh, doing what's called a verification. It's uh, taking an existing capture and saying, I, this individual is the individual I uh, encountered before, and um, it is then you know, allowing you access. So it's usually around physical access, but it's not physical access where it's reasonable to expect that a person would be, uh, you know, even like a million people would try to access your phone. It's really got to do a great job at saying, this is you and, it's, and, and you can skew the, the outcome to, to be more careful of not accidentally giving somebody access that shouldn't have access. Cause that's, the day you could always fall back to a pin code or a password if it, um, you know, false, what's called a false uh, non-match rate. So um, a false non-match rate means that you didn't match, but it was wrong that you didn't match. It sh you should have matched. Um, when you're dealing with searching a gallery, and gallery is a term, term that um, is used for when you have a large set of individuals within um, a biometric system, and you're basically sending a probe into that to that gallery and trying to, to saying, you tell me who, who is this person out of that gallery? Um, the, the, uh, consequences of act, misidentifying or, or rejecting somebody can be, uh, really bad compared to, you, know, you have that, what's called a decision error trade-off there. So if you reject somebody's biometric saying that they are not this individual on your smartphone, you have a fallback mechanism or, you know, it's not the end of the world. Whereas if you fail to match on a like criminal database or something, just you just let somebody that should have been apprehended go. 
Okay, so that's very interesting. So your smartphone has uh, a bit more of a, a tolerance for failure, right? Because, well, it's less likely that anybody in the world is going to pick up your phone. And if it's uncertain, if it's you or not, it just falls back to a PIN code, right? Where yep. if you're in a production level biometric system, I think you want closer to 100% certainty. I assume if you're going to say, hey, let's pick this person up for committing a crime, uh, you want to be rather certain that it is them. Absolutely, yeah. So you're you're shooting for for a uh, a false non-match rate of zero and a false reject rate of, uh, uh, or sorry, a false match rate of, of zero as well. Um, but uh, obviously, that's not 100% achievable. But um, and and these automated biometric systems that deal with the lar- large volumes like that have teams dedicated to statistical analysis. They have test probes, and um, and if they're doing it right. That's what they would be doing to ensure that uh, that, that the uh, system is operating in the, 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 the tolerances that um, have been communicated and are expected. So when we started this podcast, I was joking around about uh, being fingerprinted uh, as, a, as a child, and that's one modality of biometric identification. And we've been talking about another modality, which is facial recognition. Um, describe to me, you know, what, a new, what new modalities are out there. And what do, what do they mean to us in terms of biometric identification and where the technology is moving forward? So I saw a really interesting feature on my phone the other day where it offered to keep my phone unlocked if it notices that, my, that I'm the person who's walking. This way, if I'm walking around with my phone, it knows that it's me and it, and it keeps my phone unlocked. And I don't have to put in my PIN code or, or kind of get back into um, the phone to, to access it. And um, that's a really interesting thing that's coming out of all of the, the machine learning technologies and everything that's, that's uh, emerging now. Um, and, and emerging is probably a bad word because it's been around for a while. It's really just kind of exploding lately. Um, so, you know, every modality has its, its uh, pluses and minuses. Um, fingerprints, certainly there's a history there. That's like one of the oldest uh, kind of... Um, exploited biometric, um, even dates back to like the late 1800s uh, when it was done manually. But um, the nice thing about fingerprints are a lot of systems already have them. Um, it's one of the few biometrics that you can actually leave behind. If you have an iris, you can't leave your gate behind. You can't really leave your, your iris behind. Um, so it's always going to be in there in the mix and, uh, and, and different Modalities have different, uh, essentially, accuracies. So, you know, um, you could easily model a gate that's very similar to mine if you understand the, uh, the you know, what the algorithm is looking for. Or, you know, if you watch me enough um, and you can somehow, like, match my, my cadence and everything like that. Um, so we're seeing a, a, a lot of stuff in the area of fusion, and this term has been kind of thrown around before, and it's been um, sort of backed off from. But fusion is essentially, um, you know, a, a person-centric view where you've got a multiple set of biometrics uh, on that person, and even can go on to to expand to algorithms. You could start with the same base fingerprint image and use a different extraction algorithm and different matching algorithm. Uh, and that would all fall under the purview of um, fusion. And the aim there is to 
use each of the biometrics as much as possible to exploit their um, advantages and disadvantages. It's really easy to capture a face, um, but it's not nearly as accurate as a fingerprint, or unique is probably the correct word, um, as, as a fingerprint or an iris. Um, but the capture method for currently, with the current technologies, the capture method for a fingerprint requires a scanner. Um, irises are still not able to be done at, at, at distance. Um, so, so it's really trying to use those, those mo the strengths of those modalities um, in a way to achieve whatever your business outcome is. However, you know, obviously you'd want like, oh, I want all of the biometrics. Well, if you're, you know, that could really add time to your enrollment procedures. Um, so, so there's a trade-off there. And, uh, and definitely one of the biggest things that we're trying to do for our customers is make it easy and, and faster to utilize all these various modalities. Is there a base recommendation for what modalities make the most sense, or does that vary by use case? And, and if so, you know, we're talking about some of our federal customers. You know, what are the modalities that probably make the most sense moving forward for them? So fingerprint, definitely just because there's such a historical um, uh, archive of, of, of fingerprints for law enforcement, just can't do it without fingerprint. Um, face is something that everybody, a lot of, a lot of organizations capture face, um, and, and not just from a law enforcement standpoint, but also from, you know, if you work for a company or you work for an organization, you might have a company profile. So it's, a, it's a biometric that's sort of already readily available, uh, as opposed to, uh, it's unlikely that a company is going to have an iris scan of you or, or an organization is going to have an iris scan of you. Now, iris is nice because the matching can get very fast uh, relative to, to uh, the extraction algorithms for fingerprints. Uh, there, there are some well-established, fast uh, extraction algorithms for iris, and, and that makes it simple or faster to match as well. So it's certainly beneficial to capture that. Um, now, because it's an optical-based capture, uh, it's affected by things like sunlight. If you're out in the field and you're in the desert and you've got, you know, reflections from the sun, or, uh, you know, you have to deal with variances in lighting and environmental factors. Um, less so with some of the other, uh, like for fingerprint, there are ultrasonic scanners. They're so capacitive, which don't require light. They're based on electrical conductance. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's maximizing that. So another thing that's been in the news this year is the term deep fake, right? You have these um, nefarious players out there on the internet putting together videos and audio and photographs that are uh, a mashup of two individuals, right? Trying to fake an individual's um, presence. Uh, clearly, this impacts how we use biometrics. Um, the question is right now, are deep fakes good enough to fool most biometric identifications? And what does this mean for the technology moving forward? Obviously, deep fakes are going to get better and better. How are we evolving our biometric detection of these fakes to make sure that we are not allowing uh, you know, nefarious people to steal somebody's identity or impersonate them? So wherever possible, we like to... Uh a liveness check, especially at the point of capturing a biometric. So 
Um, there's a number of ways to do liveness checks uh, depending on on the the biometric, um, the warmth, the temperature or warmth of your body. When you capture a fingerprint, can can contribute to that. Um, regarding face, there are some interesting techniques out there to do a red capture. So if you just hold like a, a picture in front of a camera of somebody's face, it can be difficult for an algorithm just by itself to to differentiate the fact that it's just a picture versus somebody physically there. There's some great algorithms being developed to kind of look at shadows and and how they're cast to try to glean how realistic the uh, you know the, the that can be to to kind of combat that. But really, the the infrared is one of the one of the great ones because it, unless you could you know create like a picture that is warm in the right places, it's very difficult to to fake that. Um, but you're absolutely right that deep fake is something that all biometric practi- practitioners are going to have to take into consideration. Um, especially we, we've come across uh, a number of companies that generate some pretty awesome tools where you can run their tool against a a video stream or or uh, or some sort of feed and there it becomes a lot more important to monitor the chain of custody of where you got those video feeds that's where somebody could could inject a a, a deep fake um so certainly going to have to keep an eye on it and uh as far as how well they go against kind of compromising a biometric matching system it's interesting because that's kind of how they're built so uh deep fakes use something called a generative adversarial networks and basically if you have a a sort of a, a matching uh, biometric recognition system you would then build something that generates um mutations in the direction of what you want to make and then keep testing it against your uh, matching algorithm to see, you know, whether it's hey, does it does it detect that it's different now? Does it detect that it's different now. So um, certainly there have been uh, you know, places where deepfake image or deepfake video can biometric system um, if you don't have either the liveness checks or some chain of custody of the from etc. Very interesting. Um, and, and you and I, outside of this podcast, have talked uh, at, at length about artificial intelligence and machine learning. It's something that we're talking about a lot here at Dev Technology and with our federal customers. How does artificial intelligence, how does machine learning continue to affect biometrics? And it sounds like you were already alluding to it a little bit, where um, you might be able to use that to uh, manipulate images and grow your data sets and continue to test your models that you're working with. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's one of those things where um, it's a technology that can be both greatly constructive and destructive uh, in the industry. Um, it's basically, I think we're setting ourselves up for for Skynet. It's a uh, computer versus computer already, and uh, and just trying to outmatch each other. Yeah, we we might be getting close to that. Um, recently in the news, there was uh, a news article uh, basically saying that I guess. Uh, TSA is not going to capture the face, faces of U.S. citizens coming back into this country. Originally, I think they were going to be doing that. Um, and I think there was a little bit of pushback. Um, and I think a lot of folks are probably generally uncomfortable with the idea of 
their pictures being taken, their their biometric information being captured out in public um, and being used for uh, law enforcement activities. Uh, what what are your thoughts on this? And you know, especially as you know, a company who does contract work around this type of effort, um, is there something that we need to be cognizant of as we start rolling out this technology to capture more and more data? So having a background in, in building biometric systems for the government, I can say that uh, a lot of times as a builder, it can be frustrating because of all the hoops and the checks that you have to go through when you're, you're uh, setting up and creating a system. And um, as, a, as, a, as somebody trying to build something, it can be frustrating. But as a citizen of the U.S., I, I really appreciate that. Um, the interesting thing is there's a lot more of those checks and, uh, and protections in place with the federal government, but there's really not as much regulation on the, the kind of state and municipal side. Like you go to the DMV and you, you know, get your photo taken and put on a license, on a driver's license. Um, there's a lot less laws about what they can use that, those pictures for than, uh, than what the federal government can. So I think it's probably um, <coughs> something that's going to take a little bit of kind of a community shift in sentiment. Um, but I think most people should, be, should rest assured that like, the government, there are checks and uh, balances in how that uh, information is used. Um, and as long as you keep getting out there and uh, and voting and uh, and participating in your government, um, you can help drive how that is used. That's a great place to end this podcast, uh, Naroop. Thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us about biometrics. Uh, we'll chat with you guys all next time. Thank you, Adam. <laughs>